expect Casey to try to put a little something extra on the slider here. Sun comes out from behind the cloud, and suddenly we have sunshine covering the infield. A 1-2 pitch to the plate. Swing and a miss! He struck him out! He struck him out! He struck him out! Are going to the World Series. Well, howdy. Welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast. And this is kind of a sniffly version of it this morning. But we're going to power I, through anyway. I think the state is a sniffly version right now. Yeah. No, if you're, if you have allergies, um, you know, many blessings to you as you Ugh. deal through this difficult time. Um, Seriously. <laughs> this is Rob White fighting Texas Aggie class of 2014. And this is Roy May fighting Texas Aggie class of 2015. I, I was, we were just talking about this last night at bowling. Um, uh, even if you don't have allergies, like this is, this is brutal kind of for everybody. It is. It's a lot of sniffly. I mean, I love walking out to my car and seeing this green tint on it as you're walking around, but at least the weather's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's that. There's always that. Um, yeah. So other than that, it's been a, yeah, it actually has been beautiful. I mean, it was like in the 50s when we woke up this morning. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's going to get warm this afternoon. But, you know, thanks to the cold front coming through, it did kind of dip the temperatures down for the evening, uh, from oh, the evening I, to this morning. Oh, I love the heat. I'll take it all day. Wait, what we do need, though, is we do need, like, a real decent rain to wash all this pollen away. Like, it's a bit no much. kidding. Yeah. All, was, all, we, all we get is sprinkle enough to make the yellow on your car look terrible. Even right. worse than it already looks. Yeah, it just makes it even more dirty, which is annoying. But yeah, no, I mean, obviously springtime, good times, bunch of good stuff going on. Of course, you know, with college sports and the spring game. Um, so it was an entertaining weekend all around. That was a loaded weekend. I mean, and you tack on what we had both tennis. Um, I don't. I think Equestrian was out of town, but yeah. uh, golf played at Traditions. Uh, they won their tournament, so it's yeah. It was a it was a nutso weekend, one where I wasn't willing to go much further north than twenty eight eighteen. Yeah, but the, the College <laughs> Station side of twenty eight eighteen. Right. <clears throat> but I don't blame you there. I mean, I was out for most of the weekend, and honestly, that was probably the best part about it. I don't think I left. Any, I don't think I went any further south than maybe 21 or Sandy Point the entire weekend, which was awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, let everybody have their fun, but I don't want to get caught in that traffic. I've done it enough times. Yeah, you get to that point. I, I got busy with work, but fortunately, it was all kind of down here on the south side of town. Yeah. But but unfortunately, because I was busy at work, I didn't get, get to catch all of the games, but uh, I, I listened to them. Um, you know, what I, what I could watch them, I was listening to them on the radio and then obviously the recaps and everything. So let's dive into baseball right quick. And the weekend that was uh, here sure. at Olsen playing Kentucky. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, overall for this week, um, I would say A&M coming in and taking down Kentucky was a big deal. Um, very happy with that result. Um, would have preferred a sweep, but as it stands, yeah. you know, you're sitting six and six um, with what was a very convincing win on Saturday to finish out the series um, where the bats were really alive and the relief pitching did their job. It was kind of the perfect game plan. Kind of looked like a spring game score. Yeah, a little bit, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Dylan Rock hit that ball that basically hit Kyle Field. Oh, my God. I mean, ball gets hit out of the ballpark. And I think that the analytics team said it went 475 feet. That's, That's cuckoo. There's major league players that can't hit it that far. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, that's a ton of them. A ton of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he teed off on that one. But no doubt. Kind of getting the series, just a, a I don't want to, we're not going to belabor the point, but, sure. you know, obviously uh, Thursday night, went to extra innings, picked up the win. Um, and, you know, sometimes those wins, uh, even though, it, you know, it's not an extra inning win against maybe like a, a great team, right. but sometimes just gutting out extra inning wins against somebody that's kind of right around you, relatively speaking. Um, yeah, you know, gotten out those wins, it can be big. And uh, so I thought that was big. Then you come back on, on Friday and just kind of lay a clunker. Um, and, and you can't blame tired legs because both teams played in that extra inning game. No doubt. And, you know, you would prefer to see you guys come out there and put up a better effort in the second game. But one thing I will say is at least they had kind of their down night on Friday and then found themselves, um, you know, with the opportunity to – kind of get over those issues, came back and played a great game on Saturday. So, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde of Aggie baseball has continued to rear its ugly head. But (laughs) on the plus side, at least we won the series, and you won a series at home against an opponent that, frankly, you should beat. Um, And you did. And then you go on the road and played A&M Corpus, and you, you got down early on the road, but then you did the thing, you came back and won the game, which is all that matters. Yeah, you know, that's another one of those, you know, you kind of grit back and um, I, that that was one where, uh, you know, I was having to listen to it and, you know, early in the game, I can't say I was overly happy, but I don't think, I mean, obviously I don't think anybody was, including them, <clears throat> but, uh, but, you know, again, you know, you, you get back and you win the game. I think what, you know, when you, when you put it in that little four game bubble, which is kind of what we're trying to trying to do every week, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you in the sense that, you know, it was frustrating. Um, uh, to, to not sweep them, although, you know, you can't expect to sweep by any means. You know, if no. this program was in a different spot, then sweeping Kentucky is mm. is almost expected. But um, I, I think I was just kind of bummed out um, on Friday, just kind of how they came out. They just came out so flat, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and you go down early, you go down four runs, and you don't start scratching anything across about the fifth. Of course, Cortez comes in and just has a phenomenal middle relief appearance. Yeah. Went like what four and two thirds scoreless. So yeah, I mean, he did a great um, job. I think I think my biggest issue is like yeah, it's there's just really no consistency in terms of how the guys attack game to game. You know, they'll come out and play a really solid game plan one day, and then they come out a little flat the next, and then they come in and blow your doors off. So <laughs> you, you throw your hands in the air like, okay, which Texas A&M team are we getting today? You know. Yeah, and that's you know, that can be. Uh, I guess we'll call it exciting, um, but it sure. can also, <clears throat> but more so, it's just it's it's frustrating, and it's under. I, I get it. It's understandable, and this is this year is what it is, given the the transfer class that that mm-hmm. we had that, that we needed to to even be where we're at right now. All right. Um, <clears throat> big series though, starting tonight. Yeah, well, starting it, almost this afternoon. For right. Us. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get in on that series for sure. So one thing I thought was really interesting was College Baseball Nation. They're not anything official, but they did put out their um, their current projected um, uh, regional field. And as it stands in their regional field, A and M is one of the last four in at the moment for them, which conveniently put us in the regional in Austin with Texas State and the New Jersey Institute of Technology against Texas. We we deal so well as a fan base being the first four in or the first four out. This, I know. This, should, be, this should be a hoot. 
But and it, obviously, that's just kind of as it stands right now. Right. But, there's so baseball left to play. Absolutely. There's so much baseball to play. But yeah, I mean, you've got a Texas A&M team who, you know, is starting to get some of that national attention in terms of, oh, yeah, they may make the tournament. Um, for the life of me, I don't understand why Texas is still a seven seed considering they're barely 500 in league play, but well, they're, whatever. They're in, a, they're in a rough go right now. Yeah. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, like I said, as it stands right now, uh, best thing we can do is just keep on winning the games. And yeah, as you said, it all starts tonight with a big series against number 10, Georgia. Yes. So, and you know, it's another uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and obviously this one, uh, you know, due to Easter Sunday, yeah. uh, you know, why it's, why it's moved forward. Um, you know, big series against Georgia, Georgia's big time team, number 10. Yeah. So, um, you know, out of this series, do, do you want to win the series? Absolutely. Um, but you absolutely cannot go to Athens and get swept. Right. I, I think I'm happy. I'm happy if we take a game. Uh, if we take the series, incredible. If we find a way to sweep on the road, man, that's going to be something fierce. Because really with these next couple of games, whether with Georgia as well as our upcoming game on Tuesday against Dallas Baptist, they're ranked 19th as well. So and then Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, and then you host Arkansas at Bluebell, and then you play a salty Sam Houston team after that. And then you got Vanderbilt, who's reeling a little bit, but you still got to go on the road there. It's just the schedule is going to continue to hit us in the face over the next few weeks. It's relentless. it's relentless, but that's just how it is in the SEC. That's you know, exactly right. But you know, you look at this kind of next uh, next set of games, um, and we're going to look a little bit forward because uh, we're actually not going to be able to do a cast next week. We'll let you know um, right. why. But uh, you know, you look at the seven games. I think you have to. I mean, not as a team set a goal because obviously they're going to set higher goals. But I think um, I, I, I've got to see four and three out of these seven games. If we go four and three out of the next seven games, I'll be ecstatic. I say you go and you know what? <clears throat> go ahead and take two losses against Georgia. I don't want it, but go ahead and take two losses with Georgia. You take one of the games, beat Dallas Baptist on Tuesday, and then take two or three from Arkansas. I will be ecstatic. Well, that's like the best case four and three ever. <clears throat> Yeah, I'll be I'll be honest. If we lose to Dallas Baptist but win both of the series, I'm fine with that four and three. That's probably even better case because they're yeah. all conference wins. I mean, yeah, honestly, if, <laughs> if we did lose to Dallas Baptist on Tuesday, but we win both conference games, I'm down with that too. I, I think just however it shakes out, it needs to be four and three at a minimum. I agree. So find a way, go out there, win some series, do what you got to do, yeah, uh, and maybe, maybe win the Georgia series and and lose Arkansas. But I mean, you don't want to lose series at home. But you know, when no. you snatch one on the road. Yeah, you kind of trade. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll take I'll take a win against number five at home, no doubt about that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and then so, yeah, it, it, well, and then we go, you know, Vandy and South Carolina and Mississippi State and Old Miss, and you're like, <laughs> you can't wait to hopefully get to the postseason because it'll be easier. <laughs> well, you got we got to think to yourself like right now, it's like Mississippi State's kind of kind of back and forth as is Old Miss. I mean, and you know, South oh. Carolina. You know, they're they're kind of middle of the road too. I mean, I was looking at SEC baseball because you know they love to post the the ranks here. Here's the deal: you look at Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and South Carolina all sitting at four and eight in their conference standings right now, which is good for Mississippi State and Ole Miss to be uh, dead last in the West. 
and that makes South Carolina just ahead of Missouri for dead last in the East. So a lot of the <clears throat> series that we were thinking were going to be kind of the tough ones, those guys are struggling a little bit. I'm not saying they're not going to be tough series. I'm just saying they are struggling more than we thought they would. No, absolutely. And, and some of that's, uh, you know, the, the famed, you know, we, we like to beat up on each other in conference. But you know, some of the teams that are a little bit more household, top 10, top five kind of kind of teams there are, are struggling a little bit this year. They are. You know, some of it's injury. It is. But that I mean that's there's no excuse. Yeah, you know, if, if you want to be elite, <laughs> injury can't an injury or two can't derail your season. And that doesn't even matter if it's the pitchers. It just when when you're when you play at an elite level like Vanderbilt has has, or uh, you know, even mm. the Mississippi State to the world, I mean a couple of injuries can't derail your season. It just can't. No, absolutely. So, but so at this point, you know, like I said, baseball knows what they got to do here. Um, obviously, just go out there and win some games. If you go four and three next week, that'll certainly help our um, seeding down the line. But, um, yeah, we'll keep watching along with that. Uh, as far as uh, on the other diamond, though, uh, kind of a tough weekend there for, for the Aggies again. Yeah, I tell you what, um, it's – that series was um, – I'll just use this phrase. It was frustrating. Um yeah. You know, you go out uh, on on Friday night and you have every shot in the world to win that game against LSU, and you just again, you just kind of, you know, it it just keeps you know rearing up and biting, and you had the lead in the seventh inning, you give it up, and so that's another just like that Florida series, and then you go out on Saturday and not much, you know, not much better, you know, you lose eight eleven, and somehow come back Sunday and scratch out a win, you know, you avoid the sweep, so. Yeah, it's again, it's the inconsistency. Um, I, I think maybe they're a little bit flip flopped in the sense that, um, you know, we're seeing better play out of baseball, more better play and less bad play out of baseball. And I think it's kind of flip flopped with softball is they have these shining moments where you can kind of realize that they have the talent and they can put it together. But yeah. then the rest of the stuff surrounding those those great moments is just kind of it's 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 not very good softball. And they've got a run in where they've got tennis. I mean, they're going they're going to uh, to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. You know, this weekend, and then right. you've got Alabama, and then uh, you know your last two SEC series. You have Missouri and you have Arkansas, and unfortunately, they had to reschedule that Houston stuff mm -hmm. from the end of March. So you're going to cram that in between Missouri and Arkansas. And what it might come down to is that Missouri series for whether or not we get left out of the conference tournament. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I think the trajectory is that the contract just won't be renewed, kind of thing. Right. But you get left out of the conference tournament again, and it's, it's just it, – it would be very, very disappointing. And and you and you basically have to bring in a coach to do a full-blown rebuild. Yeah, and, you know, you've got the parts and the pieces to make a rebuild a couple. happen around here, sure. Yeah, you got a few. You mm -hmm. got a few, you know. And obviously, here's the deal. You got a great recruiting – base as far as texas is concerned yes uh, and of course you've got facilities i mean all the things that you need are there you just need you know the staff and you know bless joe she's been here for a long 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 time as was rob childress as is you know, rob. yeah a lot of people who've been here and they've established their programs but it's a lot too of times it yeah you know, sometimes it just runs a little long and you know you want to see some change and if you want to grow yourself as a program, change is necessary a lot of the times. Yeah, and I tell you what, the uh, our, our women's basketball hire uh, impressed me enough to where 
I have a lot. In fact, I had a lot of faith in Ross Bjork. I think I have even more faith that when it comes time to make this hire, he's going to make a good hire. I don't disagree. I mean, all you got to do is look at his track record. It's been very good. Um, Yes. And And I feel like it's getting better. Yeah. I mean, you've gone out and got elite coaches for our programs with the expectation that we want to go out there and win championships. We may not do it every year, but at least we should be in contention for those things. And we sure as shit ain't going to miss a conference tourney. No, exactly not. So, <laughs> so things well, are moving in the I right th- direction. And I think one thing, just to kind of put a little final thing about Ross Bjork, I think one of the things that was really impressive was he went out and got a really, really, really good coach within the conference. He just straight went over to Georgia and took their lunch. Yeah, which of all teams, like, hey, we'll take that all day, right? Yeah, so, um, so I hate to say it, you know, I, I, obviously I – you know, I hope they can close it out, at least get to the conference tournament. I think, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, that Missouri series will be huge. You don't even expect to scratch a game against Alabama. Um, you no. just don't. They're, they're just they're just so good. But I think what will be interesting, and we'll obviously address this when it comes time, is where it goes with the coach. And then if a couple of these players decide to use their little COVID extra year. Mm-hmm. Right. I would I would love to see McKenzie Herzog hang out, hang for another year. And that'd be good. Yeah. Special talent. Well, especially like if you do bring in an elite coach and somebody that the players want to get behind, uh, that's mm. that, that would be something. Yeah. So. so, but you know, for now they've got to go to Tennessee and they got to go to Knoxville and they've got to they cannot get swept. Mm-hmm. Basic, basically, and then you're that's such a tall task asking them to do between Tennessee and Alabama. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. That's a tall task. It has to happen. And the next six games, you you need to go two and four at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And and like one win needs to come in each just for any sort of kind of salvage on series. But all right, that's enough lamenting about softball. It's all good. Um, do you want to get into what you're what you got going on or do you want to get into the topic? Get the topic. Well, well, I mean, uh, we can go ahead and get into the topic. That works for me. Okay, so I was having this uh, conversation last night with Fernando Palomo uh, and his brother Federico. Hey. And yeah, no, it was it was a hoot of a time. Um, and we uh, we were we were talking about kind of viewership in America. Uh, sure. You know, as as it obviously you know as we were talking as it relates to soccer. Um, yeah. I was about to say for those who aren't aware of Fernando and haven't seen previous episodes, we are definitely about to talk about soccer or as they like to say across the world, football. football. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's a, he's, he, he does the ESPN comment, uh, commentary for games. He does it uh, in Spanish. And um, he's fighting Texas Aggie, so yeah. He is. And he uh, still holds the, his national record for uh, the Javelin. He, he was a track star here. Yep. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can find on him. Even I think Texas did a thing with him as well. He's but, cool. Uh, but he is completely immersed in really global football. Right. And so um, so he's a great person to talk to about this. And we got to talking about viewership in America mm-hmm. and really how it relates to soccer. And um, and and I've kind of drew the line all the way back to, um, you know, coming out of COVID and sports started happening again. Really, the first thing that started happening on TV, you know, they, obviously they were still playing behind closed doors and everything. But the first thing I can really remember coming back was Bundesliga. It was the German it, soccer league. It was 100% Bundesliga because I remember we, um, you know, this was this is obviously mid-COVID. Like, what, when did the season start up again? When did they start doing it? Yeah, like May or June. Was that right? Yeah, they, there's, yeah, I, and I, yeah, there's, it was, it was really a little weird and goofy kind of when they decided to start it, but 
they just said f it and let's roll right. and i remember yeah. there was there was like kind of a surge of american attention like all these websites going around like figure out who your you know your, who your bundesliga team is yeah. you know take this quiz kind of stuff right well i mean it, yeah and so i mean it was great and you know, i already followed a couple of bundesliga teams i mean not you know anybody that i'm like a diehard for but i knew of them and yeah. wanted to kind of watch so i mean it made it easy for especially guys like you and me who've already been plugged in on soccer before to just jump right back in, but maybe some folks who weren't necessarily um, experienced with it, you know, Oh, we got to do some research. How's this game work? Who are these, who are these and, German teams? Why should we I, be focusing on them? And you can say what you want to say about the MLS, but quite frankly, it just has never caught the attention of the, of the average American sports fan. No, and but it, I, but and I think, won't for a while don't do it yeah well it, it, it's i know it's growing but it's just not growing at a fast enough pace it's just not um because especially with broadcasting abilities where americans can watch premier league and we can watch bundesliga and we can watch all the other stuff right you know the, if you watch it, it, it just for like two weeks you understand the difference in quality but what i thought was interesting i think you, you really saw a bit of a surge just kind of for soccer fans in general because it was a supply and demand thing yeah. You know, it was the only sports out there. So people that were just like, dude, I'll take sports. I mean, we had people staying up till two in the morning watching the Korean baseball league because it came back, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. So the way Bundesliga kind of, I, I think it helped um, energize uh, the American soccer base a little bit. And well, so, yeah. and, and it continues to grow. And with the broadcasting, obviously Peacock and USA and everything for uh, for Premier League and Bundesliga is, is kind of split a little bit on Fox and ESPN. Yeah. Um, and you kind of look, and obviously, you know, even Champions League in Europa, you know, you can watch all this stuff in America. Yeah. Um, and then you look at, you kind of parallel that, and it's like an opposite parallel to, uh, not perpendicular, but I'm going the different direction, to mm -hmm. baseball. I think baseball is bleeding fans at an alarming rate, and no matter what they wow. do, it just, it does, the MLB just... It, they're going the way I don't want to say they're going the way of the dodo, but they're not helping themselves. Out. The MLB is running out of bullets to shoot itself in the foot with right now. Facts. Because you are actively hurting your viewership by blackouts in certain locations for people who, <sighs> you know, and that, that right there is a problem. And then you you're trying to affect the game by trying to get rid of shifts. You're trying to get rid of, or make the bases bigger and not to mention, you know, you crack down on certain levels of cheating, but you're not worried about others. And you're so adamant, oh, people shouldn't be able to use whatever substance, to, you know, in their hats. We're going to check them every happening. And if you know anything about me at this point, when it has come to baseball, I'm half tempted to just say go ham. Outside of like just saying they could play with aluminum bats if they wanted to. You know, I'm saying let these teams and you know, if you want to advance yourself, you want to you, know, you want steroids, go for it. Y'all want to try to steal, <laughs> if, you know, if, if, if that's your volition, go for it. You want to steal signs via camera or whatever, go for it. I don't care. Just have fun. Play the game. Well, what's amazing, and, and you were talking about baseball shooting themselves in the foot, it's wildly impressive because they're not only turning off longtime fans by some of these rule changes and some yeah. of this stupid crap they're doing, they're not bringing in any new fans. So if the fans that have always been there don't want to be there anymore, and you're not bringing anybody in to at least replace them one for one, much less grow your fan base, mm -hmm. you may be the worst business person in the history of mankind. Yeah. Meanwhile, you look at like college baseball 
and you have seen a consistent growth across the game. You know, at this point in time, it seems it's like accessible. Uh, you, these, you, you these, can see it on TV. <laughs> well, these weekend numbers, like over the course of a series weekend, people are setting new records every single time. Mm-hmm. Texas set a record for an attendance against us at home for a regular season game again. You know, you know? And, and and it's look at it, it's a cheaper alternative. There's more of them out there. You know, I don't have to drive to Houston to go see a baseball game. I can go to the ballpark for a reasonable price still. And that's another thing. The owners have jacked everything up at the ballparks. Well, and all just, you, yeah, I mean, all you have to do is look around even places that do have major league teams. You still have a probably a decent team that is somewhere nearby you that you can go watch a game if you're over in Georgia. Heck, you might find yourself hanging out at Mercer University for a game. Go check it out. Or if you're you know, over nearby Conway, South Carolina, you can go watch a game over at Coastal Carolina Stadium. You know, there are <clears throat> options for people to watch good, relatively amateur, but still competitive baseball for a reasonable price. And the atmosphere is going to be better in most cases. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I love the juice box. I love the Stros. But, you know, t- like taking a family to the ballpark, which it's one of the reasons we call it the great American pastime. All you right. needed was a bat and a ball and a glove. In fact, you didn't even always need a glove. And just going out and spending an afternoon at the ballpark with your family, right? Mm-hmm. Well, right now, if like let's say you're a family of four and you want to go to to the ballpark. Like, let's say, yeah, let's say, you know, I, I got – another kid so four of us are going down to a stroh's game on a saturday or sunday mm-hmm. but first of all i gotta drive down there then i gotta park so parking's 20 30 40 bucks depending on how, how far i want to walk <clears throat> tickets getting in eating actually having the experience of it you know a family looking to go to a baseball game they're gonna start have to make the decision like do i want electricity this month or do i want to go see a saturday baseball game and the owners have priced the fans out too yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that the only time that's really worth it to even go to a game for the Astros nowadays is if you go like on a Tuesday because you can get dollar dogs or whatever. Yeah, they'll do it, anything they can to put butts in the seats. Right. And, you know, it's a, you wonder why you struggle with the viewership. And then you got to ask yourself this. Does the length of the season have a detrimental effect on fandom and viewership? Baseball needs to go down to about 100 games. Yeah, because right now the way it works, or better yet, use the college model. Why don't you, like, focus in on doing three, four-game series on weekends and then maybe, like, a two or, you know, maybe one or a two-game set in the middle of the week? I would say probably a two-game set. But do, like, two games in the middle of the week, three on your weekends, but shorten up the season a little bit. Well, and as you get closer to the end of the season, you cut out the midweek games and you just make it like <clears throat> divisional games. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's obviously, obviously a model that works because college baseball isn't having a hard time getting fans at all. But yeah. you, you go back and this just kind of dawned on me. You go back to the whole, I mean, how many games do you really go to a year because it's so expensive and really not that local in general. And so if your entire fandom is based on watching the sport on TV, I love baseball. But if all I ever knew of baseball was watching it on TV, I wouldn't love baseball. It's a yeah. slow sport. Yeah. You know, there's you wouldn't know what it's like to be in the ballpark and experience that roar and, and smell the ballpark. And and so baseball's got a big time problem on their hands. 
Well, and it's like we talk about a variety of different sports that are like that. Baseball is one of those I enjoy watching and I need to watch it in person. Football I can watch on TV. In person, it doesn't really matter. Same thing with soccer. I prefer with soccer to be able to be like on the end line with the fans going ham. That's awesome. But I can still watch it on TV. Baseball is kind of a tough sell on TV. Um, as is, you know, you look at sports like whether it's golf, whether it's um, tennis. I struggle watching tennis on TV because I've played tennis before and I would much rather be kind of in the flow of the game. I find myself enjoying playing golf more than watching it on TV, with the exception of maybe some of these big time professionals. But Overall, yeah. Well, and that's the one, that's the one thing about. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. So, like the PGA, you want to talk about, you know, old farts playing a sport and being stubborn, like baseball, right? The PGA hasn't done that. The PGA has done everything they can to liven it up. The broadcasts are better. The camera work is better. The camera angles are better. The follow along, you know, out on the fairway, the, the ability to follow a group as opposed to watch the tournament, you know, on TV. Oh yeah. So the PGA is making changes. You know, they're they're trying they're doing everything they can to. Even if you're a casual golfer, because of your ability to be a little bit more immersed, you know, in a round, whether it's with a pro or grouping or whatever, you know, you get to, you understand it more. Baseball is, it's tough because it's, you know, pitcher, pitcher hitter, catcher, oh, field, pitcher, hitter, catcher, pitcher, hitter, catcher. Let's, right. let's go to Bill in the stands talking to the oldest fan in the history of the Houston Astros. Great. Um, <laughs> like, and so my question is for this, for Americans, um, uh, relative to soccer, and obviously there, there's an entrenched, you know, base of support for Premier League. I think there is maybe a little bit of one for Bundesliga just because of their ability to kind of capture a, an empty market at the time. Yeah, a little bit. Does that eventually translate over into MLS support? Or is it because the quality of the MLS is so lackluster relative to those higher tier leagues? Does it ever fully garner more support than just regional? I have a hard time seeing MLS growing, even with soccer support here in the U.S. right now. <clears throat> the only reason I say that is because you have such a variety of fandom and sport that already isn't that. I know we talked baseball, but people will still default to, M uh, to the NBA or they're going to mm -hmm. default to NFL. Uh, before they default to soccer in most cases. Now, obviously, the NFL is not helping themselves much either. <laughs> no. Well, so. <laughs> well, what's funny, though, and you talk about MLS, and maybe this is another reason why. I mean, think about you grew up with the big three, right? Baseball, basketball, football. Those are your three sports seasons. Right. Because the way that they, the way they were set on the calendar, there was really kind of three seasons of watching sports. So mm -hmm. introducing MLS is kind of, I mean, it, where do you put it on the calendar? Well, uh, as it stands right now, obviously it runs in the summer, so its main competitor is baseball. Yep. For the most part. Now, well, that's, probably, that's probably their best bet. And, that, you know, that's one of the reasons why Premier League is so popular in the States. It doesn't matter when it runs because it runs at 6 in the morning. Right. Well, <laughs> it, 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 it runs. And the thing is, like, maybe it's just the fact that the U.S. doesn't follow the FIFA calendar for whatever reason. But, you know, we don't follow along with the rest of that word. Like, soccer would continue basically throughout the same that would be the football season and on past what would be basketball for the most part. 
So it's just, I don't know. I mean, I would like to see the MLS grow. I really would. And I think what anytime you see a new team get brought in uh, to the league, it's been, you know, you've seen a boost of support, especially in that local area. People want to get behind that team. And you see solid fandom, especially with the likes of Nashville, with the likes of Austin, Cincinnati, you know, all these, uh, St. Louis just added a team. So, you know, you got all these teams that are just popping up. Well, and you get good, you get good support there, but like even some of the older, like established ones, maybe they've, they've lost a little bit. Yeah. Well, and, and so you look at it and you, and uh, so the MLS has what, 20, uh, 26 teams. Okay. And so, so teams. but it's, but when you, but think about the premier league and how small England is Yeah. and they only have 20. So yeah. I think if the MLS is really ever going to truly expand, and this, this is going to sound insane, but this just popped in my head as an idea. And I, uh-huh. I think it's fantastic because it's my idea. Um, mm-hmm. As you get up to like 80 teams, so they are everywhere. The stadiums are smaller. They're not as expensive. It's cheap entertainment. You know, it, it's great. And what you end up having is you have four pods of the MLS, and then you can turn it into a bit of a Champions League at the end, or you can have like a playoff between the four pods. But what you do is you spread it more out in the community so more people are exposed to it. Sure. I think, I think that's, I mean, that's obviously a completely almost borderline irrational thought, but you know, if you could build to that, cause 26 teams across the nation in a sport you're trying to build, that's brutal. You know, you were just talking about college baseball's popularity right. Man, how many teams are out there. You go on ESPN plus and go to the watch. You just have to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Mm-hmm. And, and so the opportunity, opportunity for it to be out there maybe play a little bit more uh, midweek stuff to capture that market so so i don't know so a thought occurs so what if you like just kind of take what the mls has already started doing and maybe more or less quote unquote promoting some of these usl teams in their markets that they're already in and just give them the upper level of funding so you know obviously you saw that with uh, like minnesota you know, they, yep. you know, they got the boost. So let's take a couple of examples out West. Let's take like the El Paso locomotives SC. You promote them up. Same deal with uh, like New Mexico United FC, but you just start getting all these teams and start moving them up to that next level. And you got to keep some classics like the Tampa Bay Rowdies who mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Rowdies are just an absolute phenomenal organization. If you don't know much about them, but you do have some good local fandom for soccer in and around and you could boost it into pods. And as much as I would love to see a true promotion relegation system in the United States, it's just not feasible. Well, it's not feasible because people don't just American fans. They just, that concept is just not a thing to them. No. And it's, it would absolutely destroy fandom in certain locations. Yes. So, you know, being able to promote and, you know, make your team, right? So, like, New Mexico may end up playing against one of the major clubs out of Los Angeles, whether it's the Galaxy or LAFC or whatever. You you create opportunities for you to play against these bigger clubs, see growth, and it, and it grows the game. Perfectly. I mean, to kind of your own almost CONCACAF-style Champions League, right. you know, where it's – because, I mean, I know the MLS stretches into Canada, but I'm sure Canada has some leagues that are like the U.S. or has a league like the USL. You know, mm-hmm. it could just be Canada, us, and Mexico. And then you can have this 
kind of additional league, you know, just like, I mean, we have Champions League, we have FA Cup, we have Europa, you know, you got Carabao. So you have all these cups that the Premier League is able to still stick in their schedule. So yeah. maybe a little bit more cooperation and, but, but I will say this for MLS, like they do think out of the box and they do try everything they can to market it. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, they're making, they're making the effort and that's, and that's more than I can say for, for major league baseball. Yeah, and no. it pains me to say that. Well, and, and you can see it with the MLS cause they're willing to build these incredibly nice soccer stadiums in these new locations. Like if you haven't been to Austin, holy crap, that's a great stadium. Yeah, I've, I've not been to Austin yet. Um, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, if you look it, at the, it, if you look at the Houston Dynamo Stadium, it's great. Yeah, I've been there a couple times. It's uh, that is a fun stadium. Yeah, so there are. I mean, there's opportunities there. We just got to continue to see. I mean, we the growth has to be cultivated, and I think MLS continue to expand. Uh, well, I don't have an issue with them expanding the league because you kind of need to. Um. You can't water it down for the sake of growth. No, you can't water it down for the sake of growth either. But but I, but I tell you what, Austin did it right. And what's funny to me is, um, I mean, they, to, personally, I think they could have even made it a little more boxy. You know, Premier League clubs have now or are in the process of moving out of these little boxy stadiums and, you know, going into kind of the mega stadium. Mm-hmm. I think MLS needs to embrace the boxiness. Like, sure. you know, a lot of people crammed in on top of each other and just louder than shit. Well, and you don't necessarily need massive soccer stadiums. You just don't. No. I mean, you just need people like right on the pitch. Well, I mean, you have a few examples of where it has worked, right? You look at like Atlanta. And Atlanta embraced the hell out of it. They were getting upwards of 60K for soccer games in the United States. What? (laughs) That's incredible growth. But, you know, but more along the lines of, whether it's the Dynamo or you look at Orlando Stadium or Austin Stadium, you know, these smaller stadiums that, you know, maybe hold 20, 30,000 people, but that's exactly how it is in the UK for the most part. Most clubs aren't going to be above 20, 30,000 seats. Yeah. I mean, London Stadium and, and now the White Hart Lane, you know, the bigger ones obviously have gotten completely out of control, but. And if you want to know what, what we're talking about, <clears throat> like look up Goodison Park or look up um, Upton Park. Upton look Park. up the older stuff, uh, the older, yeah, the, the Bowen. Look at the older stuff uh, in the Premier League. And I mean, it's such a great, awesome, intimate setting. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're there kind of almost right on top of the pitch. And I, it just, you, you're talking about not having to spend as much on a stadium. There are just, there's so many positives to come out of that. I would love for them to raise London Stadium to the ground and just build a bowl in on the site, like right. just put back, put up the park back up. Right. Because as great and big and grandiose as it is, and that's what the owners want, right? More money, more money. Right. You distance some fans. And when you're talking about ticking off Premier League fans where they're saying, I'm not going to go to a match anymore, that's all they've ever known. Yeah. And they are about as loyal as anybody out there. The most loyal dogs you'll ever meet are Premier League Frighten, fans. Frighteningly loyal. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, you have a few different examples of that. I looked at, you know, Anfield recently had an expansion on, like, their main homestand, which, you know, they made it taller, and their plan is to do it for the same for the other side. They're still keeping the lower stands, like, on all other three sides right now are all still that boxy style. But even so, with that one massive side, it's changed – the dynamic of the stadium it's no different than 
you know, any of these major expansions, you, know, you look at yeah. old, old Trapper, massive stadium. You know, you look at the yep. Eddie had massive stadium. Dude, the Eddie had is no joke. It's, it's no oh. joke and there's no fans. <laughs> yeah. Also. Yeah. Yay. Oh, the, the, the joys of having an artificial fan base. Like they're not real city fans. Aren't real. Right. <laughs> they, they, right well. they, they appeared out of the ground, but yeah, I mean, I would like to see the MLS expand the fandom a little bit because as much as I do love baseball, I love college baseball more. And if the MLS gets some growth and that helps cultivate the, the beautiful game here in the United States, that's going to be great. And with the world cup coming up, right? Yeah. All of a sudden the U S is going to be playing against England on, on black Friday. And there's not going to be any other major sporting events going on that day. Really? Hopefully it'll be in Calfield. It's going to be insane. Um, you know, it's uh, yeah, in the pool play, absolutely. But just I, it, the thing is, you need to grow it, but you can't just grow it numbers wise. If you grow it and you gain the support, what you do is you make it a more attractive league for professional footballers. So that will that will in turn, you know, don't just go buy a couple of big names and let them play with a bunch of people that are clearly lesser talented than them. Right. You know, you've got to grow the league to where it's an attractive destination for the professional footballers in the world. And when you grow the quality, then all of a sudden you'll see exponential growth in your league. Yeah, exactly. And but, I mean, yeah, you know, we're behind the eight ball in that sport. So no, we are, and we always have been. I'm not saying we always will be because the way that sports are changing up, it wouldn't shock me to see a shift to more international play just with the way the world dynamic works. But <clears throat> it would be nice to see the uh, premier uh, for a Premier League style of play come out of the MLS because then all of a sudden that will increase fandom. And it, well, it increases fandom, which increases more kids that when they're growing up deciding to pick to play soccer as opposed to other sports. Exactly. So, so I mean, it would be not, it, it would it'd be cool, but yeah. I, good I, just, I thought that was uh, yeah. I just thought that was interesting because literally you just see a decline in MLB. It's just it's fascinating to watch them eat their own. Well, it's time to pounce. It's World Cup time, so, you know, might as well pounce now. And, and I'll tell you what, and as good a marketing as MLS does, if you think they haven't already thought of that. <laughs> oh, they definitely have, no yeah. doubt. So, all right, well, tell us a little bit about what you got coming up, because I know you got some really, really awesome stuff coming up. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, which unfortunately comes with travel, but say la vie. <laughs> so this weekend, um, so we're actually heading out to go. Um, we're having a practice on Friday. Um, because um, we're getting prepped to record our new album uh, that will be uh, over in Nashville. So the plan right now is we're playing a show in Fredericksburg. So if you're in Fredericksburg this Saturday and you got nothing to do that night, which if you're in Fredericksburg on a Saturday, you have plans, but you don't because you're going to come out and watch us. That's your plans. <laughs> yeah, that, that's your plan. You're going to come out to Fredericksburg and you're going to come watch my band play at seven o'clock. Over at the Backyard Amphitheater there, uh, we are opening for Cody West and Mike and the Moon Pies. So that will Man, be a all, party and a half. I'll, I'll look at you all fancy recording in Nashville. Yeah, and then we're heading straight out from there, headed to Nashville. We're going to drive all day Sunday, roll into Nashville. Yeah, so I hope, of course, Easter, we're going to be in the car all day. But, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, we're we're going to be driving out to there, uh, to Nashville, uh, recording an, our full album. It's going to be 10 songs, of which I have tracked seven and a half. This is number eight. I've been 
writing down for our little chords, trying to get that going. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting flow on the album. It's definitely leaning on this kind of modern Texas country style, but I think we've leaned a little, a little Western on some tunes, borderline Marty Robbins on things. So, oh boy. So pretty excited about the direction of this album. It's going to be a little different from everybody else, but. Do you have any sort of like rough timeline? Uh, So right now recordings taking place, obviously this next week. Um, Ideally we want to put it out probably towards the end of June um, is the idea. Cause that'll be right after Carson gets married and then we can start touring on it. Oh yeah. That's uh, Solid, solid timing. Very well. Yeah. So yeah, Carson's getting married June 25th. So I'd anticipate the album drops sometime after that. And it shortly gives thereafter. It, right. And then at that point, all of a sudden, you know, fingers crossed, of course, that we see growth and people are wanting to listen to the music. They start streaming it everywhere and it picks up momentum going into um, the latter part throughout the summer, going into August. So by the time we are likely back playing a show like in College Station, which they're currently planning on us being that opening weekend of Howdy Week when there's still no responsibilities. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, get us, get us in there for a sellout that, crowd. That'd be something. Get that sucker dropped before July 4th, so everybody can be listening to it at their barbecues, right? That, that's the plan right now is, yeah, we want to drop it before then, but yeah. we got to get through the got to get through the wedding first. Or, hell, he may drop it before the wedding, and then we just don't tour on it for a while. But, <clears throat> but yeah, we'll – there, there's options, but we got that going on. Then we come back and play Cedar Park that next week. And then we head out to LJT that next Wednesday. Uh, and we will be playing, which is, yeah, Larry Joe Taylor Festival. Huge festival. We're playing there on a Wednesday. It's that day. It's us, Tanner Ussery, uh, Six Market Boulevard, Randall King, and Randy Rogers. So anybody up in the Stephenville area that might be going to LJT, Keep an eye out for us on the main stage Wednesday. Nice. Give me something signed by Randy. Oh, man, if I can, I definitely will. Um, so all that to say, uh, and then combined with the fact that I am actually going up to uh, uh, Lubbock next week, I've been asked to speak at the at, at Aggie Muster up in Lubbock. So awesome. we will not be recording next week. Right. Um, so uh, so if you got any ideas for like two, you got two weeks to think up ideas or topics for us or any questions. Um, I hope y'all have, uh, uh, you know, tomorrow's Good Friday and then obviously Easter Sunday. I hope y'all have a very wonderful weekend. I hope you have a very blessed weekend. I get to hope you get to spend it with family and or friends and um, just kind of enjoy what should be some some decent weather. And, um, you know, just, uh, just I hope y'all all have a, a very happy and blessed Easter. Absolutely. Same from our crew. Um, of course, um, we do really want you guys to be thinking, you know, be, be with your family, be with your friends, take care of them. You know, it's a very important time of the year for all that. Um, and if you haven't yet, uh, make sure to follow us on our socials, uh, Roy May 15 on Twitter, Rob the Slapper on Twitter, and of course at <clears throat> the Red Ass Podcast on the Twitter machine. Be sure to follow oh, us. Oh, and I will be, uh, so I started up an Instagram for uh, my business. I haven't really utilized it yet, but mm-hmm. for any of y'all um, that are like looking to get into real estate investing <clears throat> um, or thinking about it, I'm going to start in a couple of weeks. I'm going to start putting out weekly reels, just kind of like educational about, um, you know, just the kind of ins and outs of real estate investing. So um, yeah. once I start doing that, I'll, I'll drop my, my social and everything. But, uh, but yeah, beat the hell out of everybody this weekend. Every single one of them, especially yep, sobriety. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, y'all. Uh, happy Easter again. Yeah.